This is the Thursday Night Podcast, your source for news, analysis, and all things Georgia State sports. Because every day is Thursday. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Thursday Night Podcast. My name is Taylor and I'm joined today by the whole crew with David, Brady, and Jordan. Uh, I'd like to first let you know that you are listening to a top 42 ranked Sunbelt Twitter account sponsored podcast. Thanks, Scott. On Twitter over there, Scott Watkins covering some Sunbelt stuff. Included us in his uh, top 42 Sunbelt Twitter account bracket. So uh, shout out to Scott for the inclusion there. Just happy to be nominated. I hope everyone has fun. Um, in case you are living under a rock and this is the first thing that you've heard since emerging from a months-long coma, we still don't have any sports. The coronavirus pandemic has put a big old halt on the sports world, uh, but there is some Georgia State news that we will be able to uh, break down for you and deliver some analysis on. Um, Brady, you want to take it away with some signing stuff? Sure. So we're going to start in the basketball world with this. And... It was a guy who signed who's just who had been committed, so it's not a surprise, but Evan Johnson is finally officially in the fold for the men's basketball program. He came from Oak Hill Academy up in Virginia. He's a point guard, and I guess we'll see. Basketball red shirts aren't really a thing, but I would imagine this year he can be somewhat of an understudy to Kane Williams and Justin Roberts, given that even though there are some questions as to roles in the next year's team, ball handlers isn't really where that is. I mean, the leaders of the team are pretty much at that position. So I don't think he's going to be asked to come in and do everything. I don't know that it'll necessarily redshirt or not, but I think that it will be a case where he's going to learn what he can from the guys in front of him. And then he's a touter recruit. I think this is a guy that whether he contributes next year or not, I think from the the year after is going to have a lot asked of him as long as he's with the program, because as has been clear through the first year assists and moving the ball and general offensive motion is kind of a key of what coach Lanier wants to do. And so having his first real point guard that he's brought in the program is a significant moment, I think. Where does that leave the status of the other scholarships available to this uh, coaching staff with this new official signee? So there's still the two left from, I guess we can say, Cavante, Ivory, and Josh Linder. Um, there were three, well, there were four, uh, with the the departures of Damon Wilson and Chris Clerkley to graduation. But because two freshmen have been signed in Caleb Scott and now Evan Johnson. There's still two scholarships left. And I mean, I think we can all agree just based on the construction of the roster, partly because of the moves coach Lanier has made since he's gotten here. And partly because credit to coach Hunter and his staff, the cupboard was left in a pretty good position when coach Hunter went to Tulane. I think the staff can be a little bit choosy with who they want to bring in with these two scholarships. Uh, they have a pretty good balance across classes and across positions. I'd say I might expect there to be some wings brought in, maybe something, someone playing like the three or the four or like instead of center or point guard, because those positions kind of have some more bodies, but I think they can basically just be as choosy as they want to be and say, 
this is the guy we want to bring in for this role and we want him to be this kind of contributor for the team. And uh, I guess I would expect that both get filled, but remember that last off season, the staff took a scholarship into the year and didn't fill all of the scholarship slots. And then they are getting Ryan Boyce from Memphis, who is eligible at some point for next season. It's seeming more and more likely probably going to be from the start of the year, but the NCAA hasn't given a decision on that. So we'll see how that goes. Uh, obviously none of it matters if basketball doesn't happen next year, but we're not anywhere near having that conversation yet, but two scholarships left. I'd expect at least one of them to be a grad transfer, if not both. And we'll see what happens there. What you're saying is you still expect us to be transfer you. I mean, it's the way of doing business in the mid-major world right now. There's a reason schools do it because it works and because guys getting a second chance at another school. I mean, we saw it, we've seen it time and time again, even if Damon Wilson wasn't the guy that, you know, maybe when you hear pit transfer, ACC four-star recruit, you know, maybe he wasn't all world for Georgia state, but he came in and had a really solid two years and offered a lot for the team, especially in the in-between between the coaching staffs. I felt like him and Kane, it seemed like really helped lead the team in what could have been a Rocky transformation into a new identity with a new coaching staff. But he's just one example of many that Georgia state's brought in, given another chance to, and, it's just how you operate at the mid-major level now. If you're not getting in high-level transfers, you're just not going to be the program that's able to stay in that upper echelon in the mid-major world. So where does that leave the potential guard rotation, maybe just specifically narrowing down a point guard rotation next year, when obviously Kane is kind of like leading leading the ship there. But where does do you think that Evan Johnson can fit in with maybe like a Justin Roberts who's uh, filled in some point guard duties and um, handled some of that stuff, especially when Kane is off the floor. I think that answer kind of lies into what coach Lanier wants to do with Corey Allen and Nelson Phillips. Um, Nelson's listed as a guard, but he kind of plays operates in that like three kind of small forward, you know, right. and D kind of guy role. Yeah, exactly. So I, if you're going to start Nelson and keep him as a guard, I suppose Evan's not going to see that much time. Um, but if you do that, you're probably also going to start Corey. Um, I think we kind of talked at the end of the season about Corey's use off the bench to kind of keep him fresh and keep him, you know, moving the ball without actually having the ball in his hands. Um, so maybe if Evan is a more ball dominant guard, I could see a pairing where Justin and Kane aren't on the floor. Um, you see Evan getting some minutes, but I also don't know that, I don't think that the sentiment that Brady echoed in the beginning is wrong that, you know, Evan, takes kind of a year to learn under Kane, under Justin, and just kind of see how, you know, Georgia State basketball is played. And then, you know, bam, he's the starter as a sophomore in 2021. You know, I don't that's think kind that's kind of the route that Kane took, honestly. Like he, his freshman year um, was stuck kind of playing behind Marcus, if I'm not mistaken. 
uh, and then obviously Devin, and then took on that bigger role in his sophomore year. And then I think you really saw the biggest leap in his performance from his sophomore to his junior year, which we saw this year. And and we all, I think, can agree that Kane took a big step forward in a lot of areas that people were looking for him to improve on. You know, we already knew he was good defensively, but he was able to kind of distribute the ball well. He shot the ball well for for the most part. I mean, like, I've, I'd be really interested to see how his influence is able to uh, kind of exert past what he leaves when he, when this, uh, you know, when Evan Johnson comes in and starts taking more of these minutes, if he's, you know, going to take on as big of a role as we're expecting him to. I think I alluded to a little bit what I was saying earlier that it's kind of up in the, up in the air. And I think that coach Lanier wouldn't make any kind of decision of, Oh, well, he's a freshman, so he's going to sit no matter what. I think there is going to be a bit of wait, uh, wait and see to it because if he comes in and is the best guy, Coach Nier is going to play him. I don't think that he's going to hold him back because of his youth compared to the other guys. It might play out that the other guys earn more minutes at this time because they've been here. And I'm really interested to see what year two Justin Roberts looks like because he had a really solid year and he was the one who, especially late on as other guys were maybe slumping a little bit, he was really continuing to find his feet and he's the, him and Nelson shot over 40% from three by the end of the year. When earlier in the year, there'd been some other people up there with him around the 40 range. And so I'm really interested to see what he does in year two. And that might also dictate Evan Johnson's role from the start. But like I say, I don't think that Coach Denier is going to make any predeterminations. I think that while Kane and Justin look ready to make another leap, I think if Evan Johnson is pushing them in practice and is being that distributor that he's looking for, I don't think he's going to have any qualms with playing him in a significant role. So it's just going to be a matter of what happens when fall practice rolls around. Do you think there's any utility in talking about maybe seeing Kane slide into the two a little bit more and play off ball more now if we have, you know, we saw Corey Allen is able to distribute a little bit. Obviously, Justin's probably the best passing point guard on the roster behind Kane. You know, is there any utility to playing Justin Roberts at the one and seeing Kane slide over and take more of uh, like a defensive responsibility guarding the other team's best player um, at the two spot? I think there's definitely a possibility of something like that. I think the early games this year are going to be important in kind of setting roles and giving guys chances of different aspects of what the team has to do. And I just think it might be too early to see, know for sure. It's going to depend on the early play. It's going to depend on fall practice. But what I would say is just looking at the roster right now, even with the two scholarships available, there's a lot of options because it's a pretty good mix of guys in different roles. And so I think that you can kind of see who could possibly do any number of things. Whereas other teams, even in Sunbelt have a lot of holes to fill. And it's a lot of like, is this person coming in going to be able to offer something? Or is this guy who is a freshman who hasn't played much going to be able to do X, Y, or Z. And with Georgia state, there's a lot of, people that are coming back who you would expect would take a normal step forward from where they were the next that from where they were the previous year. And so you got to feel pretty good about where Georgia state is. I mean, we're a little bit 
we're a Georgia State podcast, so we're obviously got to be careful of wearing too too much of rose-colored glasses. But I would be surprised if Georgia State is not one or two in the preseason Sun Belt, probably two behind Little Rock. And I think it will be valid because I think we don't know exactly how the season is going to play out, but I think that there's a lot less questions as far as like big picture, like who is this team? And it's more little stuff about like who's going to do this or that, but the the players are there for the most part. Brady, you kind of alluded to a little bit in that answer, but where do you think that this leaves the overall uh, picture of going into the Sun Belt next year? Like other than Georgia State and Little Rock, who are some players that you're looking at that might be able to make an impact? Players by the, which I mean teams. South Alabama keeps getting in transfers. Um, they were a team that you might have looked at on first glance and said, oh, they lost Josh Ajayi. They, they lost Trey Mitchell. They did have a fair amount of seniors, and they're one of the teams who the Sun Belt tournament getting canceled when it did has to hurt the most for because they were still in it, and I would have put decent money on them making the final. I mean, it sidetracking what happened though they've continued to bring in transfers for this year so continuing that mid-major model of bringing in transfers richie riley has it to where i think that they aren't necessarily going to drop off and they were a team who for the first half of this past year didn't really perform to expectations so maybe he as a coach has a better idea of managing that and that they can be more of a force the entire season or the guys went through it and knew what it takes to win rather than the struggles earlier in the year. So, and that they are probably going to be a little bit PO. They didn't get the chance to go dancing and that that might factor into their mentality heading into the year. So I definitely say South Alabama is up there. The team that I think could take a step up, it could be a significant step up is app state because I liked what I saw from year one under just Dustin Kearns and Justin Forrest is back for another year. Their top guard and Kendall Lewis is the freshman for them who played well. And it just feels like they might be onto something there in Boone. And I think that that'd be another team where when Georgia Southern lost their coach and is maybe going to take a step back and where Texas state lost their best player and might take a step back and, there's not really a necessarily dominant team in the conference again, at least as far as we can see right now in April. They'd be another team that I think that there might be a vacuum to fill near the top of the Sun Belt, and I think they could do it. I I know that me and David kind of differ there. I know that he has other teams in mind, but that that's the teams for me. Yeah, uh, I like App State. I do. Um but I think when we, t- we spoke offline like two, three weeks ago, um, you and I differed as to how high App State will be because I think they'll be good. Um, as you alluded to, they are returning, you know, Forrest, and they do have – I just checked their uh, 2019 recruiting class, um, and admittedly it was the best in the Sun Belt at the time. I believe – they get – uh, Kendall Lewis, the guard out of uh, Snellville, Georgia. Uh, sorry, the forward out of Snellville, Georgia. He probably is going to be a factor for them this year. Um, I guess the reason I'm a little bit shaky on them is 
more so I just need them to prove it. And especially as we've seen in the past years with the Sun Belt, you know, I don't want to toot Georgia State's horn because obviously we try to be very objective here. Um, but, you know, you kind of see a lot of flashes in the pan. Um, and while, yes, App State, when they finish in the conference, uh, sixth, fifth, um, I think their final ranking this year is going to be very dependent on how bad you think Southern is going to be. Um, and the reason I say that is because I think obviously Southern, they've lost what, seven players from last year. They, they're, you know, I think they got a new coach today. Did they announce the coach or something? No, it's been announced for a while. Um, you know, but obviously, you know, that team is turmoil from, and they've lost seniors. Ike Smith's gone. Um, I just think, I think UTA is going to take a step forward. Um, but I, I feel like App State is still going to stay right around that middle of the Sun Belt tier type basketball team. And, you know, we see flashes, like, like I said earlier, we see flashes for teams like Little Rock. I don't know what they're going to be next year. They were pretty bad last year, so it's great that they were good this year. Is there going to be continuity? We don't know. Texas State has been hanging around the last couple of years. You know, as you alluded to with South Alabama, I think they'll be good but everything else is a wild card. Um, and so I think you kind of have to take the teams as to what they were this year. And I personally would expect little rock to be not as good, but better than app state this year, simply because of how that team was created. And I think app state is probably going to end up depending on some younger guys than they did this year to fill out their roster, which well, are they going to be good? Uh, we don't know. Yeah, admittedly a bit of projection, just seeing the team and the difference with largely the same roster with a new coach. Um, that's where I was going. It's just that it seemed like it was a team that was primed for a step forward. But Little Rock is, I didn't mention them, I guess, because they're kind of up at the top and that's not really a, a surprise. And as long as Noel's there, I mean, there's an argument he's the best guard in the conference by a mile. Uh, so as long as he's there, you can't really knock them down too far of a peg. And it, it feels weird to continue to say something that we are staying going into this past year where the Sun Belt's kind of wide open, but it is still, this year wasn't really the year where anyone took the mantle back in the weird in between year after Georgia state lost RJ Hunter, Ryan Harrow went to the tournament Little Rock immediately had a 31 year and upset Purdue in the tournament. And so there wasn't that this year because even Little Rock being the winner of the conference, they still, you know, they, they weren't that team like they were under Chris Beard. So it, it still feels like the real class of the conference is to be determined. And it still feels a little wide open in that respect. And I think we're just going to see how it plays out. Worth noting, Southern's new coach is a Chris Beard disciple, Brian Berg from Texas Tech. And like David was talking about, they lost some seniors, but they also had Calvin Wishart transferred to Santa Barbara and Quan Jackson, who I think would have been their best returning player and I think is a, a big loss for them, is going to UAB along with Louisiana Monroe's 
Ertel is also going to UAB, and that is just a colossal loss for ULM. <laughs> I mean, that was the worst team in the conference by a mile, and he was their best player by a large margin. So by an even bigger mile. <laughs> right. He was he's really good. He was the dude who any game could just hit eight threes and just take over a game late. And so I think it's a good thing for Georgia State's prospects that he's no longer in the conference. And I just I don't know where that leaves ULM. They were the worst team this past year with him, and I don't think they can necessarily just replace him in an offseason. And so Definitely a lot of questions there in Monroe. And while the top of the Sun Belt is still to be determined, I think that there's a few teams like that that, unless there's evidence to the contrary, might continue to be on a downward trajectory going to next year. Teams like ULM, maybe teams like Coastal, loathe as I am to put down legend Cliff Ellis because he is just an institution in college basketball. But it's been a team that since they've joined the Sun Belt have kind of steadily gone farther down in the conference and you just wonder if you know maybe it's time well we do have a little bit of football news to talk about we have a pair of grad transfers a kicker from ncant uh noel ruiz and then a safety from uh virginia chris moore come into the into the program what are our reactions here coach has identified what he wanted um, in terms of defensive help, and I've liked exactly the things that he's done so far this offseason. Um, obviously, we talked about the big step up that the defensive line had last year, um, and we also saw that there were some glaring issues in the defensive backfield. And so all Coach Elliott has done has been try his best to, you know, fix those issues. And you know, assuming that there's football this fall, you know, it's not going to take a Chris Moore coming into the program, you know, necessarily to totally fix the entire team. We know that you listening at home should know that as well. But it's if you're, you know, if you're going to bring in high caliber talent like a Chris Moore, like a Jam Williams, you know, that's exactly the type of decisions that you need to be making to sure up probably the weakest side of the ball. Um that Georgia state had last year. Those two players, while they're going to be very helpful, you know, they're going to be used in a variety of different ways to hopefully fix the defensive issues that have been plaguing Georgia state. Um, But you know, that's, you want to see Georgia state reaching for the Chris Moore's of the world. Yeah. Moore is a guy in Virginia who never really put together like a full season of starts or a full like daunting numbers career-wise in Charlottesville, but you kind of expect that coming to the Sun Belt, not being in the ACC, in a new scheme, there may be something to find there. And I, there's obviously a starting spot open with the graduation of Remy Lazarus uh, and more competition in a place where there were struggles is never a bad thing. You always want to be able to add more starting quality guys. So we'll definitely see what he has to offer. And I don't know that we've necessarily had a wild card type guy like Jam Williams come into the program in a while. It seems like he could be a return threat. It seems like he could be a cornerback. It seems like he could be an offensive guy in some gadget situations. We don't really necessarily know what the plans are for him when he 
comes in in the fall, but he he wasn't obviously a transfer from today, but it is worth mentioning that he was signed in January and is potentially an impact guy on either side of the ball on all three phases of the game. And then I guess insert the Hoosiers scene with measuring the hoop, the show that's the same height, except with the FCS and FBS goalposts for uh, bringing a FCS kicker, because you normally think a guy transferring to an FBS school from an FCS school is maybe a little bit like, I don't know, but it's a kicker. The game's the same as far as he's concerned. And he had a lot of success this past year with NCA and T. And so I guess punter remains to be seen. Brandon Wright's gone from both. So we had to replace a kicker and punter and it seems kickers sorted. And I don't think Ruiz is probably going to be asked to do much of the punting. So it's at least one area on the special teams that seems to be filled and can't overstate the importance of that. If you, if you get a guy who can hit from inside 50, you know, 90% of the time, get good kickoffs and keep you in good field position. That's all you need from kicker. So if he can just be a, a guy whose name we don't hear a lot of, except after the words kick is good, no problems. All right. So before we get you guys out of here today, we did want to let you know that we're going to have a all decade team chosen by the four of us coming out. Well, primarily Brady and David, because they're the ones that actually know about football. But that's going to be coming out on the site sometime soon, hopefully within the next couple days. And uh, be on the lookout for that. Other than that, if we hear anything at all, anything at all about sports, we're going to let you guys know. Until then, uh, I think that's just about all we've got. Thank you guys so much for listening. Hopefully you guys are safe at home, uh, bunkering down while this uh, crazy coronavirus stuff's going on. But as we mentioned, it's kind of slow sports talk news uh, world for us right now. However, there is uh, some stuff out there, like we said, with some of these transfers and some off-season content that we're going to be bringing your way. So please uh, make sure you guys keep it locked and are following all of our social media and stuff. Other than that, thanks for listening. Have a great rest of your week. See ya. Bye. The Thursday Night Podcast is a production of ThursdayNight.com, the independent source of choice for all things Georgia State sports. This podcast and all included sounds are exclusive property of and copyright 2019 Jordan Crawford Enterprises, LLC, on behalf of ThursdayNight.com, unless otherwise specified. The podcast is produced by Programming Director Brady Weiler and Technical Director Jordan Crawford, with assistance from co-hosts Taylor Dynan and David Salmon. You can find the podcast on SoundCloud, as well as podcast aggregators like Spotify, Google Play, and Apple Podcast. To submit questions and comments, or to request information on advertising and corporate partnerships, contact the show on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram as at Thursday Night or via email at thursdaynight at gmail.com.